Hey everybody, it's your favorite reconstructionist, Eric Brown and Phil Relly, and welcome to episode number 20 of the one and only show bringing you tips and tricks for working vehicle collision cases from the best experts in the industry every Wednesday. Today's topic is, a picture is worth a thousand words. So grab your expert angle coffee mug and settle in at three, two, one, off we go. Every year, traffic crashes claim the lives of over a million people and account for over $500 billion of injuries around the world. A small select group of people from police to attorneys to expert investigators are tasked with getting justice for the victims, protecting the rights of involved parties, and ensuring the story is told accurately and honestly. Unfortunately, we believe that is an impossible task without the right team of experts. If you agree, then keep on listening for actionable tips from leading experts across various industries that you can start taking today to elevate your professional game. If you disagree, then tune in anyway and let us convince you with our ideas. We are Eric Brown and Phil Rally, and this is Crash Tech, the expert angle. Welcome back to the show, guys. Crash Tech, the expert angle podcast is brought to you by Crash Tech Reconstruction Services. If you have an accident that you need answers for or you think the other side has it wrong, Crash Tech can help. Connect with us at www.crashtechreconstruction.com to submit your case for a free review. Phil, man, welcome to today's episode. Super, super excited. You know why? You know what today, you know why it's special? Knowing you, Eric, it is hard to tell. <laughs> because we have our first three-peat guest today in the history of the show. And I would even say it's a, it's a pretty good guest. I mean, like at least how many episodes have we done now? This is episode 20. So he's at least in the top 20 of our guests, I would say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but guys, as always for your listening pre- pleasure, we have a TJ tenant with us and you guys all know him as the tire guy. Um, you, you know him, you love him. TJ, your, your shows were amazing. Uh, we, we always get a great response from them. And uh, so we were super excited to have you back, man. And uh, I'm glad to be back. You guys are freaking awesome. Normally, I hate everybody except you guys. Yeah, that's what we're talking <laughs> about. I mean, we can still hate Phil. Me and you can. We can text beside the show like while it's going on of how much we hate him. <laughs> So, you know, it'll be all right. Uh, But yeah, so TJ, you called me on Friday and you were, man, you were all sorts of fired up and I alluded to it on Facebook, (laughs) which means everybody's tuning into this show to see what you were fired up about. So I I think we should tell them, man, you know, I think, I think we should just throw it out there and and we'll get to it. So you called me and asked if we had seen this pandemic that's going on in crash reconstruction, you're seeing it in the tire side. And it revolves around photos. Oh God. Photography. Right? Yes. Yeah. And so what do you what do you see? Tell me, like, what's what's got your goat this week, man? Like what's what's going on? Okay, give me a half second to calm back down because you just <laughs> I gotta do some color corrections on this episode. And I'm like, yeah, I gotta I gotta drop the red out of the RGB of this episode for the videos. <laughs> you may have to bleep me out a couple times on this one, man. Yeah, right. I knew, yeah, you're hot, man. You were you were angry on, on Friday. I told no, that you. were still am. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> We're getting, we're getting them all riled up, folks. Getting them all riled up. <laughs> it's just that pictures in reconstruction in all phases, whether you're a reconstructionist or some type of niche within niche market expert or any of that, pictures 
are one of the most important factors in doing a proper reconstructionist report. It, you cannot be effective without taking good pictures. Pictures are so important to me that when I write my reports, I start out with the philosophy that if I took all the text out, whoever's looking at that report by just the pictures alone should get the gist of what I'm talking about. That's how important pictures are for me. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, you know, I think a lot of guys would make the argument that they're not, they're not photographers, you know, and, and they don't know. And, and they're using, you know, maybe department's mm. equipment if they're a police officer or the attorneys, you know, they're going to make the argument that they don't know, uh, you know, or, or that they don't have camera equipment or this, that, and the other. And, and I would make the argument that, man, for what we're asking for, we're not, we're not saying go out and spend twelve, fifteen hundred dollars on a DSLR camera. That argument and, uh, is you know, so lame. I'm just going to play my guitar the rest of this interview, man. Oh, it's a musical. <laughs> TJ, I got to go with you on this one because I know when I'm in the academy teaching and I get to the photography section, and it, if they haven't grown to hate me at that point in the academy, they should absolutely hate me by the end of that portion of the uh, action. I can't, I can't imagine anybody waiting that long to hate you. Um <laughs> and and i tell them flat out i'm like you live in an age of digital everything if you take 20 pictures at any crash and that's all you take you're just freaking lazy go find something else to do yep um because i'm the the crash i'm working on right now um i get the i get the photograph packet there's 45 pictures of a five vehicle crash involving (laughs) two semis and two SUVs. And I've got about a total between two people, 40 pictures. And and let me guess that 10 of them are, are at night with just, they're like 10 pictures of the overhead light bar on the it, cruisers. It's so frustrating, you know, and, and it's just laziness. There's no other excuse for it. The, I don't know, is a bunch of crap because my question would be if, if this was a murder or a homicide scene, would you take 40 pictures or would you, you would probably take a picture of every decorative concrete block around the house, but because it's a crash, ah, who cares? Insurance will sort it out. I am so sick of that. I I, just a bunch of lazy ass people. So, well, so let's, let's dive into this then because you know, I think part of it is, is that there is no, no training now. I mean, there is every once in a while, if you look for it, I know like IPTM puts on a photography school. So if you guys are doing crash investigations, or if you're a police officer in general, I'm telling you that photography will help you in all aspects of the job, what domestic violences, other crimes, right? Photographs are golden in this day and age and stop relying on your body camera. Stop oh, walking oh. around a scene, just taking video and being like, cool, we're good. I don't need to take pictures because it's on the body cam. There is no replacement for a photo because the body cam is constantly moving. And so right. when we try and take out screenshots, it, it never <coughs> fails that that one critical piece of evidence is the one that you kind of just glossed over and then it's blurry. Yeah. Well, the other part of that too, um, just to go a little further with the body cam the body cam is only as good as is the angle in which your chest 
is pointing. So if your yep. head is pointing northeast, but your chest is pointing east, well, what picture is it taking? Yeah. Yep. Well, and not only that, but they lack the ability to zoom in clearly. You know what I mean? Like they are made to be as wide of an angle lens as possible. That's what a body cam is made for because it's trying to capture as much stuff out there. And what we need and what your homicide detectives need and what, you know, your, your white collar crime detectives need, or, you know, depending on how big of a department you're working at, they need to be able to zoom in on stuff. What your tire experts need is the ability to zoom in on a tire failure. That is 100% critical for me because when I get the phone call, I'm, I'm not at the scene. I can't, very rarely do I get to take my pictures at the scene, if I get to take pictures at all. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, usually when I, when I show up, it's later, the vehicle's been moved from the scene and a lot of the, I gotta sift through what evidence is left. But it is so critical for me to be able to blow up the picture and not have it grainy. I don't need you to, when I say I need pictures, let me give you an example. I had a tire come in the other day, one tire Mm -hmm. from an accident, and I took over 100 pictures of that one freaking tire. Right? And that's crazy. Now, because you told me, I think on Friday, right? But how many, but when you got the the photo package that you got on Friday, how many pictures of the, and that was a tire failure case. How many pictures of the tire did you have? Like five or something. It it was just (laughs) five five, and none of them were pictures of stuff I needed, like the DOT on the tire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, one was a picture of the DOT, but I couldn't read it. Yeah. And then uh, there was no picture of the door placard. There was no picture of the tire size. There was sort of a picture of the repair in the tire that I think he didn't think that was important and he took it by accident. (laughs) (laughs) It was just happy circumstance. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) I'm just gonna say, if you're not sure, take the freaking picture. picture. Just take the picture. Take the picture of everything and then take more pictures and let me decide which ones I want. And in today's, I'm trying not to get on my pedestal here, <laughs> but in today's digital world, if you if I go to your, because I go to everybody's freaking uh, social media site, if you send me something, I'm going to the lawyer's social media, I'm going to everybody involved in the case, you can take a freaking selfie and it'd be right. clear. You got no excuse for sending me jacked up pictures. Yeah. So yeah. let's so let's talk about some equipment real quick to get these guys off and rolling. So we, we talked a little bit about training, right? IPTM, I know, offers a, a photography school. Um, Opata did. And this year, I don't think they're going to in 2021. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe. Um, you know, I wonder if any of the other states are. So I'll tell you, if, if you listen to this show, and you guys are running a photography school or your state is running a photography school, comment, comment on this show so that other officers can get to some training uh, and and where it's going to be at. That would be incredibly helpful. Um, But yeah, so, you know, when it comes to the equipment though, you have really three good options, right? Because the body cam, I'm not discouraging you from taking video, take video of the crash scene, the the, the overall scene, but then use your photographs to actually pinpoint what you want people to look at, okay? So uh, you got three good options. One, uh, and it's funny because I think all three of us 
use a different option because I know Phil, he almost always uses a DSLR camera when I see him. Uh, me personally, I like my phone. And TJ said he likes his little point and click that he uses. So I, it, I it's kind of funny. I, I use what it, I use the tool that's appropriate for what I'm doing. Yeah. So, you know, me personally, I like my phone for a couple of different reasons. One, it's really, really small and it's really easy when I get into vehicle inspections to actually just hold it under a car and take pictures of the undercarriage, right? All that kind of stuff. Phones also have incredible night sights on them. Now the new, like I use a Google pixel and, but I know the iPhone and the Samsung both have that nighttime lens. Now, when taking photographs, you need to take them as, as it looks outside, especially at a nighttime crash, because if I take them on night sight, it looks like a dusk crash or a dawn crash. And so, you know, when you go into court and I'm like, oh, it was really dark out there and hard to see, um, they're going to pull up my photograph and be like, it looks like daylight. Right. So you got to be conscious of that. You can't take them all on your night side. If you're using a DSLR camera, right. You don't want to take every single photograph with, you know, your, your aperture wide open, you know, and, and a long exposure time to where it looks like it's noon, right. You want to take it as the scene looks, but then you also want to take them so that they're really clear and you can highlight some evidence. Um, the other thing too, that I like, and that I would suggest in today's world is get a camera that can geotag. Like, again, that's why I like my phone because every time I take a picture, it will give you the GPS coordinates, the date and the time where that exact picture was taken. So if I open Google Maps, I could overlay on it points where every where I was standing when every single photograph was taken. And so I could show it in relation to like the vehicles. Like, hey, look, this picture was taken 32 feet away from the vehicles, you know, or something like that. So now if there's a distortion, a lens distortion problem, something like that, we can we can account for that. But I hear a lot of people out there and they always say this, right? Oh, you can't use your phone to take pictures because if you do your phone could become evidence. And if, you know it's, your, if it's your personal phone, and yeah. I do, I do discourage in the Academy. Yeah. Never so, use but, your personal and property for, for work business. Yeah. Yeah. One, don't use your personal phone for work. And it, it really, that's just good uh, housekeeping uh, on that. Yeah. But you know, even if it's your work phone or whatever, like it, it's okay. One, could it be taken? Yeah, it could. Is it likely to be taken? Extremely unlikely. There's one scenario where it will be. And that's if you delete pictures out of the log. Okay. Ooh. If you turn in, because every time you take a picture, they're in sequential order, the numbering on them. So if you turn in a log and you go from picture 799 to picture 806, and you're missing seven pictures in there, they're going to they're gonna take your phone because we want to see what those missing pictures are. But for me, like I take a picture of my case number, the date and time that the photographs are being taken and the photographer. So that would be me. Right. And then, so I take a picture of that on a piece of paper, go all through the scene, take all my photographs. And then on that same piece of paper, I write last photo and then take a picture of that. So if somebody would ever subpoena my phone, my argument to the judge, I would just write a, write a response to the judge and say, Hey, look, you have a complete photo log, including the first and last picture. And you can see the metadata on every photo that it's in sequential order. No photograph is missing. And, and you have the digital file. So what would you honestly need my phone for? Right. I mean, there's no, there's no evidentiary value to the phone at that point. But the actual go, evidence is the digital photographs. And I want to go back before we 
go off on one of these Eric Brown tangents. Uh, I'm done. <laughs> that was it. That was my pearl of wisdom. I want to go back to the very beginning. You know, if you're going to use your, you know, obviously use your work phone, don't use personal equipment, but, um, you know, and if it's a work phone and they seize it or take it or whatever for evidence, who cares? Right. It's, it's work's phone. It's not yours. So you're not out anything. Um, but when you're taking your photographs, don't use the zoom, go right. to the evidence. Yep. You know, exactly. If, if you're wanting to get the, uh, you know, if you're wanting to get the DOT number on a tire, you know, stand up, take a picture of the tire as its location on the vehicle, then get closer, go move closer to your evidence. Don't use your zoom because that changes the perspective in which that is viewed. Yep. You know, the yep. default setting on just about all your DSLR cameras is at the same optical viewpoint. So it's taking a picture from it almost identically the way the human eye would see it. The moment you change the zoom and start using a zoom, it is not the way the human eye sees it. And it's it, it's a little bit deceptive on, on the view. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. leave and, it in the default mode and go to your evidence. Don't bring your evidence to you. Yep. And on that too, I'd say avoid the panorama mode and avoid some Absolutely. of the cheaper wide angle lenses. Now you yep. can get a good wide angle lens, but a lot of them will put there. <laughs> it's called barrel distortion where the center of the picture kind of bulges and then the edges are, yeah. are kind of like they, they taper down really small and yeah. it distorts your photo. So be careful of that. Just use a regular, the human eye sees between 35 and 50 millimeters. So use when you, when you have your, if you're using a DSLR, your actual focus there and it should be set somewhere between 35 and 50 millimeters. That's where photographs should be because that is a, a fair and accurate representation of the human eye. So, you know, I've never, I've, I've never taken a panoramic view of any pictures uh, mm-hmm. at any scene or even when we got shipped some evidence or anything. I've never used panorama. I can't even think of an opportunity that I would use to use. I've, that I've seen it on some crash scenes, you know, because they're trying to capture the whole scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and, and the big one too that I see it on is drones. Yeah, you know, everybody takes those panorama pictures when they get up there real high and yeah. they, they set the camera to, to take a picture from as wide of an angle as possible to capture as much of the scene. And so what it looks like then is the road is only like six inches wide at the edges, <laughs> but it's like 35 feet wide in the middle. <laughs> so yeah. you gotta you gotta be cognizant of that. So just watch when you're when you're taking the picture, watch watch those. But the other thing too, I, I think in and, and just I love interrupting you. That's so awesome. That's a great feeling. <laughs> right, but look, I stopped no talking here for Southern once. Ohio. It, it feels great to interrupt Northern Ohio. Normally, uh, normally I just get louder and talk over you, but, but <laughs> I'm trying to be polite yeah. because TJ's here. <laughs> yeah. It, I think it, some of this comes down to, you know, I kind of was a little abrasive there and saying it's just being a lazy ass, but in all honesty, I mean, we've all been on these crash scenes and we know how hectic they can be when you first get there as a first responder. Um, you know, the same information or same recommendations we we just put out a minute ago apply to regardless of who you are, whether you're a private investigator, mm-hmm. you know, a reconstructionist after the fact showing up to the scene. Those same recommendations apply. But for the officers or first responders that are there, I think it it, it really starts out I was listening to Eric talk and 
it comes down to coordinating your scene. Okay. Most times on a serious crash, you're going to have, you know, two, three, four, however many um, people on a scene get tasks assigned so people know this is my role this is what i need to do and this is what i'm responsible for so that way people aren't just kind of muddling around i think this is what i need to do so i'm going to do it but it may not be and then they get interrupted and take off on something else so they may be 20 photographs into their into their process and get pulled away to go do something else because nobody was really assigned anything and I, I think, you know, setting up your scene and laying out some responsibilities and letting people do what they need to do start out <clears throat> as a start out is very important. But number two, before anything moves, leaves other than victims um, or injured, before any move, anybody moves or leaves, everybody gets back together. And whoever is in charge, whoever's the scene commander needs to review for photographs, review the photographs. And, you know, and, and in all honesty, if, if you look at it and there's 20 pictures, here's your camera back, keep going. Yeah. Yep. That, you no, know. that's a great point, Phil. One of the things that, that I try to push also using that same philosophy is we're coming to uh, do an on-site investigation, not at the scene, but wherever the vehicle's located or the tires or whatever. And if it's a multi-vehicle crash, you may have as many as 20 people there. Right. Uh, I like to have a meeting up front and talk about in what order we're going to view the evidence, who's going to view it, what's what's priority, uh, what we're going to do through the course of a day, a general timeline. And that way you don't have 20 people there in my way when I'm trying to look at tires or get underneath the vehicle, look at suspension or wheels or something. They're standing back because they know, OK, it's time for the tire guys to do their thing. Yeah, And that same philosophy is really important in having some order in something like that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Well, and, and remember, too, I mean, at the end of the day, you're the expert, guys. This is your show, right? So take control. Yeah, Take control of the scene. You know, I get it that, that attorneys are there. And attorneys can be incredibly intimidating. You know, Not when they're for me. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, like, but when they're when 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 the attorneys are there on the especially on a vehicle inspection afterwards, yeah. they can be intimidating. And guy, if you're an attorney listening to this show, don't let the other attorney bully your investigator. Nope. You know I mean, have your investigators back. And and sometimes some of the best things that I've seen working with some of the attorneys, when when that starts to happen the attorneys I've been working with will step in to the other attorney and they'll be like, Hey, come over here and let's talk about something. And they'll actually, they'll walk them away and just leave just the experts all with the vehicles yes. just to do our things. You know what I mean? Like we're not, we're not trying to hide it. They're just trying to get the attorney away because the attorney's causing friction, you know, and things like that. Um, so, you know, because maybe there's a piece of evidence that like the defense doesn't want them to uncover. Or if, if you're a defense attorney, maybe there's a piece of evidence that the, the plaintiff doesn't want you to see. Uh, on that vehicle. So, you know, if you can get the other attorney away, or at least just, just quietly stand there and, and talk about something else and let the experts do their job, because that's what you guys are paying us for. Yeah. So, you know, that's the big thing there. So <clears throat> let's, let's dive in then to the actual photography itself. So TJ, when you're, when you're talking, taking pictures of, of tires, what pictures do you need to be able to do an analysis. I, I know like literally pictures of everything, but, yeah, but there's like, some things you I could got. at least, yeah, yeah, you could at least have, 
some critical pictures. What yeah. are they that you would like guys to take? First and foremost, I need pictures of the door placard or door placards, plural, because sometimes, most of the time, there'll be two. There'll be one with the gross vehicle weight, and then there'll be another one with tire and rim information. I need all that. Mm-hmm. And then the best thing, and Phil kind of mentioned it earlier, is I need you to back away from the tire, give me a full shot of the tire, even if it's still on the rim of the vehicle, give me everything you can get. Then the next thing I need to know the brand, a Bridgestone, Michelin, whatever. I need to know the tread pattern is an R2, whatever, a W, an XZ1, whatever it is. Then I need the size, if it's a passenger and light truck, I also will need the load index, which comes right after that. It'll be like a 225, 75, 16. Then it'll have a 110V or 110Z. I need that. Then I'm also going to need that small print that tells me the ply rating. And then finally, that even smaller print that's on there, I'm going to need that that says this tire will carry this load at this max load, this max PSI, and then ultimately the very last thing I need, and this is and all these things I have to have, but I've got to have a picture, a clear picture of the DOT. And with with tires, some of that print is so small. One of the things that I do is bring some chalk or some crayons with me. Because when you take white chalk or yellow chalk or whatever and highlight those things, it really, really, really clears it up on the camera. But yeah. you know how many times I've gotten pictures that where they chalked it up to make it visible? Never, unless right. I took the pictures. Yeah. And then I'll take two different colors of chalk. So if I know if one of my guys went out and took pictures, he's going to use a different color than whoever was there before him if they use chalk. So we well, know- and so actually this brings up a good point. Let me ask you this, TJ. Does it help? One, do you want guys to take grease pencils and write on the sidewall? like FR for front right, FL front left, RR rear right. I mean, does that help? Yes, that does help. And one of the things we also do is on the tread pattern, we'll put an L-shaped thing and one will point to the outside that shows the direction of the outboard side of the tire. Oh, that's a good idea. And then the, L, yeah. the part of the L that points forward shows the direction of rotation. Dang, and that's we a good idea. Look, I know, I just I'm picked up that kind of six <laughs> like mad scientists, man. And yeah. then inside of that L, we will put right front, left front, or or front, outside, rear, you know, whatever we need to put in that L. So that L tells me the position, the direction of rotation, and what side of the tire was on the outboard side. Yeah. So now, like, so after your last show that you did with us, I went out and I got some chalk and everything. And I've been waiting to get a tire case so I can send you my photos. And I, I was like, cause I wanted you to be proud of me. I was like, I, I was I like, I'm like, but dude, so I got, I got four different colors so that each tire has its own color too. So that way, like, as you're looking through the photos, you would know like, Oh, all the whites are this tire, all the orange are this tire, all the, you know, whatever. But anyway, so, but those are just some tricks. Teachers, teachers the, Pat, suck it, Phil. <laughs> especially with the DOT, because the DOT sometimes can be convoluted, especially the important portion of it, which is the weekend and the year the tire was made. If you don't highlight that, you really got to take a damn good picture of that. Yeah. And, and I know what pictures I'm going to take and how I'm going to set the camera up to take those pictures. And I still highlight that because I don't, it's not for me. Yeah. It's for whoever's reading my report 
and or the jury. So I, when I put my take pictures and I put my report together, all pictures, all reports are put together as if that case is going to go to jury. And I don't know the level of education of the people in the jury. Yep. So now if you have a tire failure and let me, because I, I think one is as officers, you don't have necessarily the equipment to do this, but if they have the ability and you have a tire failure, do you want the tire to be taken off the rim and photos of the inside of the tire? Here's the problem with taking it off the rim. You may run into some spoilation. Mm-hmm. So what I prefer to do, I actually have a, a, a generic letter of uh, a protocol that I get the attorneys to sign. And if we got to do that later, it's better. You really don't want to take that off unless you've got permission from the attorney. And believe it or not, a lot of the attorneys don't have never heard of spoilation. <laughs> anyway, they've heard of it, but not a protocol letter, which is shocking. But anyway, <laughs> if, it, if for one, if an instance you get the tire and it's already off the rim, which happens quite often, unfortunately, one of the things you have to do is look at the inside of that tire and look for any repairs because uh, a repair is a significant phenomena inside a tire and at least 70% of them are done incorrectly and had were either the root cause in that tire failure or had a lot to do with why that tire failed. So if it's off and don't focus on what you think, the, the if a tire blew out and there's an impact brake, don't focus all your pictures on the impact brake. I can see that. Of course, take pictures of it, but I need pictures of the other stuff internally, mm-hmm. externally, on the shoulders, even if you think it's not important. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm the tire expert. Let me decide on that. But give me enough evidence so I can make that decision. I don't want to have to call you back and say, look, I need more pictures of the inside. So yeah. typically when I say I need more pictures or somebody says, hey, you want me to take pictures for you? If I, if I know I'm going to the scene or going to wherever the vehicle and tire is located, I say no, because they don't know what I need to take pictures of. The tire tells me the story of what I need to take pictures of. That's what I'm, I'm a tire whisperer. Right. And I wait on that tire's language to, to get into my head and translate and say, look at my heart, look at my lungs, TJ, because there's some issues there. But if yeah. you are not TJ or one of TJ's staff, then take pictures of everything. You can never take too many pictures. Throw them in the Dropbox, send them to me. I'm going to be fine with that. Yep. But if you take a tire that was involved in an accident and you take 10 pictures, why are you in this business? Right. <laughs> I mean, because now, man, you got to go talk physically then. Yeah. I mean, we got to hash this out because you right. So and you're freaking and also you know, I need pictures of the other tires. Yeah. So we I actually had a case and uh, up here on the turnpike vehicle traveling high rate of speed has a has a massive blowout and uh, goes in you know starts to to rotate and then overturns and kills the driver and uh, of all the pictures taken not one picture was ever taken like so we had pictures of the tires. But for some reason, I didn't discover it until I went to the vehicle inspection. Nobody took a picture of the of the one tire that failed. It's clearly stamped on it, not for highway use. You know what? He he was running on a little baby donut, and uh, and the you know at at ninety miles an hour. <laughs> I was. I, I'm like. I, was, I think that's important, guys. I think that's what we call a clue. 
<laughs> that is, you know what? I, I was in Florida working a case recently and the same thing happened. We had all these tires. Ty- Whenever I see a tire expert and he shows up in slacks and, and a white shirt, I know he's not going to do anything. He's no threat <laughs> to me. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll let him, I'll tie him to me. He's not going to know what I'm I don't- doing. My, you know, like I told you before, my dad worked at Firestone and uh, I don't, dude, I don't think I, I don't think he ever owned a white shirt for the entire time that he worked at Firestone. I, like tire guys just don't wear white. <laughs> you, you cannot do what we do and wear white. But the same thing, these tires were clearly, clearly for off-road use and they had in big bold letters, off-road use only. Yeah. And uh, the accident and reconstructionist that was working at Case was good enough to call his attorney and say, look, we need to get TJ on this because I don't know what. And when he was explaining him to him, it was kind of funny because he was all amped up talking about the tread. And I'm picturing a DOT road tire in my head. And I said, send me a picture. And I'm like, oh, hell. Right. That ain't even a road tire, man. <laughs> but you're right. That kind of stuff. Uh, if you take enough pictures, you'll get that kind of stuff by ac- yeah. by accident. Worst case scenario. Yep. So now, Phil, I, something different. Yeah, Phil, I don't know about you, but you know, when TJ talks about being a tire whisperer, all I can see is is him going to the inspection and like laying down on the floor and like spooning with the tire and like I rubbing did. his hand I over did. the tread. You know, and I, he's like, I love them. I, I, like, I he's like, hey, chicken. baby, tell tell daddy TJ what's uh, yeah. what ails I, you? What ails I you, baby? The tire and I <laughs> the tire and I love on the tire until it gives me all its <laughs> All the attorneys are confused. They're like, TJ, what's the baby oil for? He's like, you got to put it on the tire. The tire's got to be slippery. <laughs> you ever notice I keep a, a, a pocket full of KY with me whenever I go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Now the show, now the show is adult rated. Great. Now we got to, we have to put an explicit, not for kids listening. So, but now Phil, let's talk about crash scenes. Let's pivot just a little bit and, and talk about scenes. And we've hit on this a little bit on the evidence collection, but you know, I would say if nothing else, give me area of impact and give me final rest of the vehicles. Okay. If nothing else, I mean, if, if you absolutely are like in your mind and, and attorneys like, listen, this is, this is for you guys too. Don't think this show is only for police because you guys send investigators out to take pictures right. of stuff. And you need to make sure when you're getting the photos back, it, whether it be a PI that you're just paying to take photos and you're going to send them to a reconstructionist or you're using a reconstructionist, make sure they're taking pictures because you guys use these for your exhibits in court. And so we got to make sure that we have enough, right? So if, but if you're the investigator and you're like, you know what, you guys are whack. You don't know what you're talking about. I am taking three photographs. That's it. Okay. At least give us area of impact and final rest of both vehicles at at a minimum and not close up. Like when I say photograph of area of impact, I'm not saying a close up picture where literally the gouges from, from maximum engagement fill the whole picture. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking in relation to something like, look, area of impact was in front of this telephone pole. It was near this fire hydrant in this lane. It was, look, I can see I'm in the right-hand lane near this uh, driveway entrance, right? Give us in relation to something in the same with final rest. You know, it's great to take a close-up picture of the car, but like when you when you take a picture of the front end and behind it is just all trees. But if you move to the side, there's literally a telephone pole right by the passenger side of the car. Take the picture so we can see that the passen that the pole is next to the B pillar of the car. 
right? Give us in relation to something so we can put the vehicles back. That's what really, really helps. I mean, but I mean, Phil, what else is critical for them to, to capture? I, I Photographs just infuriate me. Um, <laughs> I, in all honesty, I mean, before you ever get to area of impact and final rest, there should be 12 pictures taken of the overall scene from you know the approach of each vehicle then the opposing lane on approach from each yep. vehicle um your you know if you've got an east and west crash you know i want my eastbound car i want the eastbound lane and the westbound lane from the eastbound car's perspective and vice versa for the westbound car yeah but i want right and just walk this and start like yeah. a couple hundred yards back and i want you know i want a picture from the north and the south so I can get a relationship that way. But then I want Northeast, Southeast, Southwest, Northwest. Um, so I can get an angular perspective as well. And then I'm going to start moving in. And the closer I get, I may end up duplicating all 12 of those mm -hmm. as I get closer to my scene. Um, and, and it really becomes critical with area of impact. A lot of people, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, when I first hit the road, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And unfortunately, we we learn by fire sometimes. But, um, you know, I'd go, I'd go look for that gouge, maximum engagement gouge, and take a picture of it. And then, then when you're sitting in your office, you know, two weeks later, and you're looking at this one picture, and you're like, ah, crap. You know. <laughs> not only what was it but where was it <laughs> yeah so you know again i just guys slow down i know you want to get off the scene it's cold it's raining it's whatever it's hot but once you leave that scene you know and, and you're told this not only in the academy you should be told it in fto but once you leave that scene you can't go back and oops, you know, you might be able to get a shot or a picture of tire marks and gouges. Um, but it's your once you walk away from the scene, that's that last chance to get the live scene perspective, because everything after that's just follow up. And that 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 may be, you know, easily called in the question that photograph. Yep. So and, and then I wanted to talk about the actual vehicles themselves of, you know, I, I know a lot of people are like, they just want to take a couple quick po photos on scene. And they're like, I'll take the rest of my photos at the junkyard or mm -hmm. at the impound lot or something like that. But guys, yeah. you, you don't know what happens to these cars during the towing process, especially the undercarriage, because if we're looking for evidence of bolts or, or metal components from underneath the vehicle impacting the roadway for maximum engagement, what happens when a car comes off of a flatbed? <laughs> right. Yeah. A lot of times they drag the pavement. So yeah. you, you're literally causing more damage. Right. And, and we want to see stuff like, you know, if there's this long arcing gouge near the driver's side door or one of the vehicles and the door has been cut off by the fire department, what's the fire department do? Do they carry the door to the side of the road? No. no, they drag it across the asphalt and they gouge the asphalt. So we need to take photographs of that door and the gouge leading to that door. Right. And where it started from that way we can say, look, this gouge here wasn't caused from the vehicle going North South on an East West you know, roadway. It was caused from the door being cut off by the fire department, but make sure we're going around the vehicle. And just like Phil said of all the directions 
of the scene, you're going to want to do the same thing from the vehicle. So like me, and I just do it the same every time, right? Start at the front of the vehicle, take a picture front on with the vehicle, you know, nice. So you can kind of see the whole thing in the picture and then just move over to the front, you know, the, the front driver's side corner and take that angled picture. So I can see both the front and the driver's side, then go over to the driver's side, back away. So you can get the whole vehicle. Take a picture of the driver's side, then that back driver's side corner so I can see the rear bumper in the driver's side. Well, Eric, the, the damage was just to the front of the vehicle. I don't care. I don't care that the damage was only to the front of the vehicle. I want to see the back, right? I mean, like, just just do it. Just get the evidence because you never know. You know, you yeah, know. It, it might have just been an ACDA until all of a sudden you get on the stand and now is the first time you ever hear that, oh, that person was rear-ended and pushed into the vehicle in front of them. And if you didn't take pictures of the rear bumper to say, look, no, they weren't, there's no damage, then what do you got? I, you know, I, I tell everybody in the academy, each car should have 16 pictures minimum. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the only one I would, the only one I would say to be careful of. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say the only one I would say to be careful of, I don't particularly like when people take a picture down the plane of a car, because if you're off slightly, if, if you're not looking exactly down the side, you can actually put in some distortion and make crush damage look worse than what it was and stuff. So right. just be careful taking pictures yep. across the plane. Like, you know, if you have crush to the driver's side, be careful standing at that front driver's side corner, taking a picture along the side. I always tell them to get the plane, um, you know, from both angles, the front to rear, rear to front, you know, yeah. left to right, right to left on each plane. Uh, only the, and the purpose behind that is only to show not necessarily the profile of the damage uh, of, of crush damage, let's say. But but do you have Boeing of yeah. the car, you know, something like that? And, and you know, and, it, and it's 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 an art. It's a it's an art that takes practice. You know, when you're when you're standing, you know, make sure you're standing. It's not that hard to to line yourself up maybe with that left rear taillight assembly or where it would have been. Um, you know, get as close as possible. You're not, you know, I'm not expecting forensic photographs, um, but, but it's just for, to, to show that relationship. Is there Boeing? You know, when you take the opposing side picture, that Boeing should, should, should mirror 180 degree opposite. Yeah. And I'd say one photo that is always forgotten, always forgotten overhead. The, the overhead. Yeah. If you can get it, like I just bought a, uh, I went on Amazon, bought a 10 foot, no, 12 foot selfie stick, 12 feet long. And it's great, but it, it, it communicates with my phone by Bluetooth. Thing was $13.99, guys. That's it. I have one of those. Yeah. And man, <laughs> I ran my phone up over my truck. It was great. It was great. I like, so it was, it was perfect. But the one photo that's always forgotten is the seatbelt. Pull the seatbelt all the way out. If, it, if it's not locked, if it's, if it's just free, pull it all the way out and take pictures of the webbing. Because what a lot of tow truck companies will do is they take that seatbelt, they wrap it around the steering wheel, they pull it out the door and then close the driver's side door on it because it holds the steering wheel on the car, right? But when they do that, if there was any stretching of the webbing or the marks from the pre-tensioner digging in and stuff like that, you could potentially destroy that evidence. So take pictures there on scene of all of that kind of stuff. And, And even like I said, like TJ said, if you guys don't know what you're looking for, that's fine. We do. We know what we're looking for from your photo, but we need, but we're counting on you to right. take the photos. Yeah. You know, you guys, you know, if y'all were here, I would hug y'all because both of y'all said something that was really, really important. And, and this is really important in a tire failure. 
and feel. And, and folks, we would do we would do hugging, um, socially responsible for the times of COVID, just so you guys know. So yeah, it would, it, be, it, it it would be done responsibly. Ish hugging. Yeah, yeah, we would all hold our breath, close our eyes. You know. Yeah, turn away. Anyway, you know, Phil was just talking about this. One of the things that's really, really important to me, and I didn't mention it when you asked about things we need pictures of, is anytime you have a collision from a tire failure. And, and Phil talked about it. I need you to get back, and, and so did you, Eric. I need you to get back. No, he didn't. Hundred yards <laughs> from the, the scene of the incident, because one of the things I'm looking for in that picture, when the tire fails instantaneously, the rim is going to come in contact with the ground, and it's going to have some gouging. Uh, a lot of times, you will have some weird tire marks on the ground. I need those pictures specifically because that tells me. If the tire failed pre-impact or the tire failed at the impact or something else happened, without those pictures, I would not be able to make that. It's not even an assumption at that point. So on both vehicles, even if the other one did not involve a tire failure, I need you to get back. Just like what, what Phil was saying and what he teaches in his class, I need you to get back one or 200 yards so I can see the trajectory of the vehicle and any information that the tire would leave for me on the road surface. So that that is just brilliant to even mention that and teach that. Yep, there you go. So look at that, Phil has, in 20 episodes, Phil has finally brought value to the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate him, TJ. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, here we go. So let's do our final round here because actually, believe it or not, we have blown past our 30 minute mark. What? Uh, we, are, we always at, do. Yeah. We're at 45 minutes guys. We're at 45 minutes. So, but I want another 15 minutes, break it out in two episodes. Yeah. Right. Um, but no, so I want to, I want to hit a, uh, just a, our quick uh, piece of advice from everybody to level up your game. So we're going to do our end of the episode level up here. I got a question for TJ though. Yes, uh -oh. sir. What is the, uh, in your, in your opinion, from your experience, um, mismatched tire sets, you, you get this all the time where you'll have, you know, all four tires are different make and brand, all the same size, but different make brand, uh, model of tire. So what's your question? Well, I mean, is that, does that, um, pose any kind of, uh, significant, I guess, value or not when you have different, you know, you got a Goodyear, oh. whatever, or a, or a uh, hell, bridge down here. Hell yeah. Even if not only the same size, but the same construction, if they're all P metric and they're the same size, what will usually change when you have different brands. And I mentioned this when Eric was asking me what pictures to take is when you look at that load index that comes after the tire or in a commercial vehicle, this is missed all the time. And this is where I tear everybody a new hide because they didn't take good pictures. We have two steer tires and it's always the steer tires that cause the fatality. They're both the same size, but neither side grab the load range of the tire. Oh yeah. And then when you compare what was on there to what's on the door placard, it's a lower load range, but the same size tire. So they can save $20. And that's why the tire failed. They didn't have proper load capacity. And on passenger like truck, it's the load index. Cause it might've been on a Corvette and the guy didn't want to put W or Y rated tires. And he put H rated on there. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, 
even if it's the same size, different manufacturer, it's rare to match all those things together. And that that's a great question, Phil, because everybody misses that. And that is potentially the end of the case. That, In other words, you're going to cost yourself some money if you're an investigator because now it ain't going to go to court. It's going to get settled based on So, that. actually, and let me ask you another question. I know, yeah, we, we have. We've blown, blown way past our 30 minutes, but whatever. <laughs> this, this show was worth it, and I think we dropped enough knowledge bombs in here that, to make it worth the listen. But let me, and, and so this is not only a question, I guess, as a consumer, but also an investigator. So, like, Walmart, right? They yeah. had back at way back in the day, I used to work in, in mobile electronics and stuff like that at Best Buy. That was one of my first at 16 years old, you know, 16 year old air working car stereos. Well, Walmart, because they buy in such large quantity, they would have like radios from Pioneer that would look the same as what we sold at Best Buy, but they were, uh, the model number was different and they were built specifically for Walmart. Walmart's the only place you could buy them from. And they just used lower quality parts on the inside if you took them apart. And that's how they saved the cost. You know, that's, I mean, they would be a hundred dollars cheaper than what we were selling. So Walmart also has really good deals on tires. Do they do the same thing from yes, Firestone and Goodyear? Like are those, are those yes. tires specific to Walmart and does Firestone or Goodyear use, they shouldn't, but like, do they maybe wear out faster? Do they not have, like, if I go to a Goodyear store and I buy tires that have a 60,000 mile range on them and then i go to walmart with those same tires maybe wear out in in fifty thousand miles instead of 60. what they would do is if they made a tire specifically for walmart they would negotiate with walmart on what their needs are and you may have a tire that has a similar name and size but it won't be the the one with all the bells and whistles instead of sixty thousand. dollars the walmart brand maybe 40 or 50 or it could be equivalent so that's why it's really important again as the point of this show to take really good pictures, even if you don't know what you're doing, make sure they're high enough definition so I can blow it out and I'll walk you through it. Yeah. But if you don't do that, if you take blurry pictures and I can bear, I, I gotta, I gotta readjust the the picture and all and and, and change things on the picture with software <laughs> to make it work. You've kind of taken a lot away that I've got to do extra explanation in deposition or in court to explain why I had to do that. And yeah. I'd rather not have to go through that because then I'm going to have to get the more technical you get, the more, the higher the potential is for you, for the jury to not understand what the crap you're talking about. Yeah. It, well, and I was wondering that just kind of on the thing, because I've never asked anybody this of if you have the opportunity to interview the driver of a car after oh God, a tire yeah. failure to ask them where they bought their tires. Now, and we can usually find, well, in a passenger and light truck situation, we can find that out through discovery, but in commercial, mm -hmm. that's a different animal altogether. You may not ever know. So yes, it is really important to interview the driver or the shop manager, find out where the shop gets their tires. Uh, if he's usually in a commercial accident, they will have a, and here's another thing that's imperative to take a picture of. If they have a pre-trip inspection report in that cab, get a freaking picture of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I almost cursed for a second, but I need a picture <laughs> of that pre-trip inspection report before, because I can't tell you how many times I show up and I'm like, where's this? Oh, it didn't show up. Where's the tread for this tire? Oh, they didn't pick it up off the road. And then I look at the pictures, like what Phil was saying, like what Phil was saying, and then I see the picture of the tread in the freaking, in the picture, in the photograph. I'm like, nobody picked that up? No. 
Okay. Right? So <laughs> if anything that's in that cab, even <clears throat> if you know you're going to hire tenant associates or, or seatbelt specialists, anything that's in there, take pictures of it so that I can read it in the picture. Yeah. You ain't got to remove it. But uh, going back to what you are saying earlier, when you're saying remove the tire from the wheel, make sure that the attorney knows that that is your intention and make sure that whoever's on the opposing side knows that that's your intention because they can jam. If if I get a tire and it's not on the wheel, I'm going to come after you for spoilation. Yeah. Well, now, and so, you know, remember as you know, police officers, one, you normally, if you're doing a, a deep dive inspection on a car, you're going to have a search warrant anyway, which yeah. means, you know, we can pretty much do whatever we want to a car. Yeah. <laughs> the, the worst thing in this world now is make the joke. And, and Chris always laughs when one of our other reconstructions, he's always like, man, the worst thing in this world is Eric equipped with a search warrant that says I can do pretty much whatever I want to a car because you're <laughs> never getting it back in the same condition that it came to me in. Um, I can promise you that. So, uh, but no, Phil, so what's your, if, if you had to give everybody one piece of advice, just one little nugget to take away from this show today, what would it be, Phil? Don't listen to Eric. Besides <laughs> that, give him another one. <laughs> um, use your technology, use it to its fullest extent. But before you use it, understand its capabilities and limitations and apply them appropriately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say, so my biggest one that I want people to take away from this, right, is A, you're not paying for these pictures, guys. You don't pay to get pictures developed anymore. They're not on film. Take as many as you can and just invest in, in a couple easy things. Invest in everybody right now, go on Amazon and get yourself a 10 or a 12 foot selfie stick, right? The thing is invaluable. I promise you, you'll use it. The thing is invaluable. Look, TJ is going to grab that. Like me and Phil always do our calculators. There it is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, can, I can see someone right now at the scene of something with a selfie stick. Eric told me to get one. Trying right? to, try well, to not only that, but if you get SLR to it. <laughs> yeah. If you get a really good one too, you can take a really good picture. You get all the investigators together and the firemen, you know, with like the cars <laughs> in the background, you know, you can get a really good. Yeah, they're going to go for that at the end of it. <laughs> Everybody giving a thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> I tell I tell you what, you know what? The first case that we get, you can't submit it, but if we actually get a case from your department and there is that picture at the end of a scene of all the craft cars, <laughs> all the investigators and the firemen with thumbs up, with a 10, 12 foot selfie stick, I will buy donuts and coffee for your entire department <laughs> and I will send it to you. So like I said, it, it can't be, uh, you can't send it in, but like if I just happen to come across a case and there's that, you got donuts and coffee coming your way from Crash Tech. So uh, TJ, final thoughts, man, what do you got? <laughs> just use common sense and use the right tool. In some cases, I have to use my camera phone to get in between two tires if they're still mounted on the vehicle. In some cases, I use my little Sony cam uh, to do what I need to do, but use the proper tool for the proper application. Look at the freaking picture after you take it to make sure it's not blurry. And when any of us, when TJ or Eric or Phil ask you to send us pictures, don't scan them and then put them in a PDF off a fax machine and send me that. You have just wasted my time and I'm gonna bill you for that. So yeah. <laughs> uh, to keep the money down from being from having me charge the crap out of you, 
just send me pictures and just take pictures until your picture finger hurts. You can ne- you can never not take enough pictures, but you can take too few. Yeah. Yep. And for the Perfect. attorneys, guys, just like TJ just said, stop with the PDF pictures. I mean, I get it that they're easy to send through the email. Like I, I completely understand why you send them. And, and a lot of times that's how you get them from the insurance companies and, and from, you know, departments and stuff like that, because they're easy to send through an email. But if an insurance company or somebody sends you pictures that have been scanned, tell them you want the original digital photographs. They have to be out there. If they have them on a PDF, the digital photograph exists. Right. So get that digital photograph. I mean, you guys, that's something you guys need to push back on and be like, Hey, look, this doesn't, this doesn't cut the mustard, right? This is uh, you know, I need the original di- digitals. And, and I would think that they have to turn those over to you as part of this, as part of discovery. Yeah. It's, it's definitely evidence. Yeah. So, well, everyone, that's going to wrap it up for the day. As always, jump over to Facebook and make sure you follow and join Crash Tech, the Expert Angle Group. Also, if you want to leave us feedback, have an idea for a show, or would like to be on a future show, head over to crashtechexpertangle.podbean.com and click the link on the right that says contact the show. The form will come up. Put anything that you want right in there. If you want more information on expert consulting services or training, visit us online at www.crashtechreconstruction.com. And finally, if you're a PI attorney, make sure you request to join the Crash Site Facebook group. Or if you're a defense attorney, make sure you request to join the Crash Site Defense Facebook group. Neither site contains any ads or spam. It's just a private community that brings experts from all different areas together with attorneys to collaborate or ask questions. So again, guys, thanks for tuning in. And remember, always leave your accident victims better off than you found them because at the end of the day, everything we're doing is for them.